murder. By itself, it's horrible. But on the scariest night of the year, it can be even worse. From a serial killer to a father killing his own son and people dying over who took whose Halloween candy. This is the Dartarian Show. I'm Alexander Dartarian. And I'm Dominic Sykes. And today, we're doing murder on Halloween. Yes. So, we have 13 spooky murder cases for you on this scary night. I wonder how many of these are going to be like our usuals and have cops that just, you know, didn't do very good investigating. Uh, Well, I can say that in one of these cases... The police were very thorough, and they caught the right person, and it didn't take them very long either. So, well, that's that's um, encouraging. Yes. So, let's get ready for our first case. A row over, a row over a missing bag of candy ends in murder. Hmm. An argument, really, a row. You could forgive a five-year-old becoming enraged after losing a bag of trick-or-treating ca- candy and throwing a fit. Yeah. But a 55-year-old man? No. <laughs> Liddell, you lost me. <laughs> Liddell's peoples lost his cool on Halloween night in 2011 in a dom- domestic disturbance in Chicago's South Side that turned very ugly and fast. Not able to track down his bag of Hershey's, Jolly Ranchers, and Tootsie Rolls, he accused his partner, 49-year-old Maria Adams, of stealing them from him. <laughs> this guy's serious about his candy. In response to this accusation, she threw a plate at his head. Oh, well, that's a justifiable response, I think. People <laughs> picked up a knife and repeatedly stabbed her. Well, that, now we're escalating quite quickly. Yeah. Getting dinner plates and now knives involved. She died in the hospital, and her killer got 30 years. Over... So. All over Halloween candy. candy, yep. Now, I'm assuming these are just uh, bags of candy that he went to the grocery store and picked up and didn't actually go out and trick-or-treat for, but... Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's a little much for Halloween candy. Yeah. Um, So, everyone's heard of the Halloween tradition egging someone's house. I've never done that personally, but yeah. Yeah, you see them in movies all the time. You, I'm sure some of our listeners have probably done this, TPing or our uh, yeah, toilet paping houses and chucking eggs at houses. So chucking eggs at houses and cars is a classic, if rather juvenile and annoying Halloween prank. But after a long day at work and an evening of trick or treating with his girlfriend and her, her young son. 21-year-old Carl Jackson was in new mood, no mood for his car getting egged on the Halloween night in 1998. Mm. Unfortunately for all concerned, it was. South Bronx is a tough neighborhood, so when Carl got out of his car to, to uh, basically... See who's egging it? Yeah. Confront him. Yeah. Uh... He went sunny side up on his vehicle. <laughs> uh, he took a risk. Sadly, the risk didn't pay off. 17-year-old Curtis Sterling got shot Carl in the head, oh, killing no. him instantly. 
Sterling was arrested, charged, and imprisoned for murder. Every Halloween, Carl Jackson's mother sends her son's killer a card telling him that she's he's glad, or she's glad he's rotting to prison. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty intense reaction as well. Yeah. I mean... So, everyone is probably familiar. Don't be stingy on Halloween. You don't get tricks. What? I guess that's the rule or whatever. Trick or treat. No, you, the the dude... candy that doesn't give out the houses, or the houses that don't give out the candy. Are no, the in this instance, egged. the guy that was egging the freaking car shot the dude that he egged the car. Oh, I completely misunderstood that. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I was the way, guy way who was, off. The guy who was egging the dude's car, the he, guy got out and was, like, getting ready to go, like, oh, fuck you, motherfucker. And so, then, like, so he got shot. What? So the guy th- that decided he was going to egg this dude's car. Mm-hmm. The 17-year-old boy, yeah. He what was, what, afraid that the dude was going to I don't know. He just shot him. him? I have no idea. I don't. I know his mindset. Egg your car, and then just for good measure, I'm just gonna shoot you a bunch of times. Yeah. Oh, he shot him once in the head. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's familiar with the movie Halloween and Michael Myers killing his sister at the beginning. That kind of really happened. It's called. Uh, this case is called Sister Slain. Amarillo, Texas, on October thirty first, nineteen eighty one. 76-year-old nun, Sister Tadia Benz, was raped and strangled in her convent. Oh, wow. So that kind of sister. Yeah. A nun. On November 9th, Johnny Frank Garrett, who lived across the street from her, was arrested for this abominable crime. Right. On February 11th, 1992, he was executed via lethal injection by the state of Texas. Garrett's final meal was ice cream. His final words were... I'd like to thank my family for loving me and taking care of me, and the rest of the world can kiss my ass. Oh, okay. Since his execution, there have been various doubts raised surrounding his guilt. Increasingly, many people believe that Johnny was innocent. Oh. Not that it helps Johnny now, of no, course. obviously. But what if he was innocent, though? Uh, a, a big majority of people who were executed are innocent. Really? Yes, because they just... They ran out of appeals. Well, that and it's coerced um, confessions and everything. That's messed up. Do you like haunted houses? Um, yeah, I enjoy them. Now, we've talked about haunted houses on this before. We've talked about real haunted houses mm-hmm. with the ghosts and stuff. And then we also talked about haunted houses you walk through. Like that one crazy one where if you go through it, it's like $150,000. The ones where they're supposed to pay you just yeah. for torturing you, basically. Yes, absolutely. There's a bunch of controversy uh, surrounding that. Well, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> I'm sure people see it. So, a Halloween house of horrors is our next case. The scene Ohio teenager Dev- Devin Griffin walked into was like something out of a haunted house. He later said. Returning home from church on Sunday, October 31st, 2010, Devin found his brother, Derek, mother Susan, and Susan's new husband, William Lisk, all dead, savagely murdered. There was only one suspect, William Lisk Jr. The one that found them? No, Devin Griffin found them. 
I, I need better <laughs> listening skills, apparently. Suffering with schizophrenia and with a documented history of violence and wildly unpredictable behavior, the 24-year-old was quickly found at a local halfway house and arrested. He confessed, admitting to all three murders. Lisk, it, it transpired, had shot his father five times, bludgeoned his older brother, Derek, to death with a hammer, and then raped and shot his stepmother, Susan. Good Lord. Lisk Jr. would take his own life in prison in 2015. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I wonder if he really did it. Well, it sounds like it. I don't know. It sounds like he's pretty... Uh... Usually, I know, like a lot of people, there's a lot of stipulation or uh, stigma surrounding mental health. Not every mental health person. It's actually very rare that a mental health or a mental uh, health person is violent. Right. We see that all the time. Oh, you're schizophrenic. Oh, he must be violent. Or that's the first thing that people jump yeah, to uh, absolutely the of when it comes to violent criminals is oh well there must be something wrong in yeah. their brain. Nope. Because normal society doesn't do things like this. You know. No, it's actually very very rare. Uh, one of the most gruesome serial killers of all time is the Toolbox Killer. Hmm. I've never heard of it. Oh, one of his final vile murder was on Halloween. Shirley Lynette Lidford was the fifth and thankfully final victim of L.A. serial killers Lawrence Bitter and Roy Norris. The two men are some of the cruelest serial killer duos ever to disgrace the planet. Man, L.A. pumps out a lot of serial killers, doesn't it? Yep. Known as the Toolbox Killers because of their vile and perverted penchant for tool-based torture, and the the six pair the sick pair would often tape record their crimes. Mm-hmm. On Halloween night in 1979, Bittaker and Norse snatched 16-year-old Shirley from a gas station where she was hitchhiking home after a Halloween party. They beat her, raped her, tortured her externally and internally with pliers, and eventually strangled her with a wire coat hanger. Finally, as a final result, they dumped her lifeless body on a random front lawn. That's horrible. Absolutely. Both men were caught a month after killing Shirley so viciously. They are still imprisoned in maximum security institutions to this day. Both men, both remain unpenitent. They're not even sorry about it. Nope. What jacket? Remorseful free. So, uh, I mean... God, I that those murders. If you ever read the transcripts of those tape recordings, which they do have, they're absolutely horrendous. What yeah. they've uh, did to these victims, and um, probably the one of the most gruesome murders of all time was committed by them. So, I think we're going to talk about them later, yeah, probably. in later seasons because they are so interesting and stuff. Um, our next case is the man who killed Halloween. Heard of the old wives' tale of the poisoned sweets on Halloween? Yeah, we just talked about that last episode. Yes. Supposedly given out by a crazy neighbor, the candy will kill any kid that eats it. Luckily, it's not a real thing, as we learned last week. Although, it was once in Texas, 1974. Ronald Clark O'Brien laced five pixie sticks with potassium cyanide and planned on killing five local kids, among them his son, 
Wow. That's kind of... Yeah. Why? I mean, just just because, or did he, he have a reason? Well, I that's mean, that's the most important question, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Exactly. Well, the plan was to blame the poisonings on a neighbor, see him imprisoned, and O'Brien could collect the insurance policy he had taken out on his young son. So he's like, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here. I'm going to get rid of my neighbor I don't like, and I'm going to collect some money off the life insurance policy of my son. Basically. That's uh, definitely got no empathy there. 11-year-old. playing up like that. Yeah. 11-year-old Timothy ate his cyanide-filled sour candy on his dad's suggestion. Oh, it had man. enough poison in it to kill two people. Within an hour, he was hospitalized and declared dead. Luckily for the other four children, fast-thinking and acting local detectives figured out when what had happened due to the smell on young Timothy's breath and confiscated all other pixie sticks before they could be consumed. Good. God, Lee, man. So only his son had to die. Yeah, only his son died that fateful night. Messed up. On the 31st of March, 1984, Ronald Clark O'Brien, dubbed the man who killed Halloween, was put to death by the state in Huntsville, Texas. As a liquid chemicals entered as the liquid chemicals entered his veins, a baying mob of 300 locals shouted trick or treat and threw hard candy at the small, small group of anti-death penalty protesters. Yeah, <laughs> I can, uh, I can see that. So this man poisoned his own son yep. with Halloween candy. And that's Halloween. why, yeah, and that's why we were like, oh, it's poison, it's poison, it's poison, check your candy and everything. Yeah, stories like that. Um, he did, what this article does not mention, is he did have several, two other children at that time, uh, and they had also took some of the poison, oh, but, but they, they didn't take, the yeah, they basically, Timothy Dumped. slammed it down like a shot glass. Yeah. That killed him. When you take ingest cyanide, it, it kills you within like a couple minutes. Yeah. Uh, and his little sister couldn't, he, she just took a little bit of it because wow. she didn't like the taste of it. Wow, man. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know where the story comes from or why we, uh, or why people think that way. Have you ever heard of Smiley Face? Um, I mean, yeah, different, different iterations of it. Well, there's a theory that's went around that he's not a real killer. There's a theory saying that he may be. So, the smiley face murder. Like all the other poor murder victims here, Chris Jenkins died on Halloween. Unlike all of the other poor murder victims here, Chris Jenkins could very well be tied into a widespread crime phenomenon. One known as the smiley face murder theory. University of Minnesota student Jenkins just disappeared on Halloween 2002, turning up in the Mississippi River, still wearing his Halloween costume, some four months later. 2002 is a long time ago. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Like, it's a 20 long years. time ago. 20 years ago. Golly. His death is believed by local police to have been the result of an accident or suicide. But the similarities between Jenkins' death and those of other, many other young men found in the water across North America have led many to wonder if there's not a coincidence. Hmm. So, he could be a victim of an unknown serial killer known as the Smiley Face Murderer. It's possible. 
Yeah. I mean, there, there's probably at least like 70 or 80. See, if on, if on, I on, had, if I had to guess, the dude probably like got drunk and passed out. <laughs> but I kind of do hope it's a serial killer just because of the notoriety and everything. I mean, if I, if I, if I was murdered or died in an accidental way, right. And it wasn't discovered that like, or they're like, Oh, well we don't know what happened to him. I kind of think I would want to be killed by a serial killer. Like, if you're going to get murdered, you might as well get murdered by a famous person. That way, everybody... Because if you get murdered by one person, no one remembers your name. No, but the problem is you only but get if you're remembered killed, as a victim. You don't get remembered as the kind of person that you were throughout your life. You are only mem- remembered as the person that this yeah, person killed. But you're remembered. I mean, I guess you could look at it that way, yeah. Yeah. But, nah, I couldn't... I, I wouldn't want to die that way, because... I feel like a lot of the victims on like these Netflix documentaries and stuff like that, their families or victims themselves that survived just they don't get the kind of attention that's the good attention. I don't think. Oh uh, well, um, not me. I'd want to be a victim if I was murdered. I I don't. I'm not saying hey, come kill Eggles and Andrew Darkarian <laughs> if you're a serial killer. I'm saying if I'm ever murdered, I don't want to be. Uh, These are good. I want to put this on your gravestone. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather it be a serial killer than some random. Murdered exactly how he wanted to be, and then whatever serial killer does at the time. (laughs) A Halloween costume, the perfect disguise. Los Angeles hairdresser Peter Fabiona opened his front door to trick or treaters on Halloween evening, nineteen fifty-seven. Before he could reach for a few gobstoppers to throw into the brown paper bags that one was holding, bullets blasted out of the bag and into his chest. Whoa. He'd been shot to death with a twenty-two caliber pistol. The pair were Gordine Pizer and Joan Rebel. Both pleaded guilty to murder and served lengthy prison sentences. Does it say why he killed them? The two women were lovers. Joan was also seeing, seeing Fabiano's wife, Betty. Though jealous and enraged, she plotted to get Peter out of the picture nice. with Pizer's help. Hmm. The date was picked as it was seen as the perfect night to sulk or skulk the neighborhood in disguise. And it was. Not that it helped them get away with it, of course. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a perfect day to get away with murder. Halloween. Yeah, but that and if you're gonna shoot somebody, July fourth. Yeah, I you're in the fireworks. fireworks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is quickly becoming the how to <laughs> the murder people. <laughs> the neighbor from hell. Halloween night, 1973, the city of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Nine-year-old Lisa French dressed up as the littlest hobo went trick-or-treating she got only got next door neighbor gerard turner opened up oh sorry she only got to the next door neighbor gerard turner opened up took little lisa into his home and shut the door behind her Uh oh turner then raped and killed her stuffing her tiny body in the plastic bag and dumping her in a nearby field as of 2018, the Halloween killer has been eligible for parole, but the state continues to refuse his release. 
their rather understandably argument is that he's a sexual violent person and should should not be released back into society. He shouldn't be no. So, nine year old little girl raped and murdered by her neighbor. You can't trust anybody nowadays. No. Like I mean, you couldn't trust anybody back then either. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's. That was in so that was in nineteen seventy three, and in, as of two thousand eighteen, he can't get out. He'll die in prison. I'm surprised he hasn't been murdered in prison. Yeah, for real. I would murder him on Halloween. (laughs) Poetic justice. Yeah. All trick, no treat is our next case. When 12-year-old trick-or-treater T.J. Derrishaw knocked on Quentin Patrick's door in the city of Sumter, South Carolina, on Halloween night in 2008, he expected candy what he got was 29 bullets through the front door from an automatic <laughs> oh AK-47. <laughs> 11 of which hit him, oh, killing him instantly. That's not candy. The poor kid's dad and younger brother were also hit, by hit, but pulled through and survived. It turns out that Quentin Patrick was a convicted drug dealer that had upset a rival gang of dealers and oh, was expecting retribution. That's messed up. What he got was blood on his hands and 30 years on the inside. So he just killed the dude for no reason. Yeah. He thought it was a, 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 gang. a gang and he retaliated what he thought was not. Not the right uh, house. Yeah. For one, if they're retaliating, they're not going to knock on the door. Yeah. <laughs> Trick or treat. I <laughs> know. Halloween murders predicted by the son of Sam. Mm. Yeah. David Berkowitz, responsible for New York City's 1977 Summer of Sam Reign of Terror, is a man who knows murder. He certainly knew about the murders of Ronald Sisman and Elizabeth Platzman, and in advance. That's creepy. How did he manage to get that figured out? No one knows. He just predicted it. Yep. That's crazy, dude. I didn't know uh, he had like made predictions and stuff. Yeah, he did. And again, all serial killers were uh, or were, were like interviewed and stuff, and they yeah. actually helped with some other cases. For profiling. Absolutely. So, some of the most gruesome murders were are on Halloween. Two friends, Leslie Ann Mazzara and Adrian Asagna, were stabbed late one Halloween night. Leslie Mazzara and Angelin Asagna and their friend Laura Manzia were busy handing out candy to trick-or-treaters at their Napa, California home on Halloween night in 2004. At around 11 p.m., the three women went to bed not knowing that they would be one, there would be one more visitor that night. Mm-hmm. Minza awoke to a scream from the upstairs bedrooms, ran out of the house, and drove away, leaving her two <laughs> friends behind. <laughs> what the hell? Mazara and Insagna, both 26, were stabbed to death upstairs. Eric Matthew Koppel a friend of one of the victims, eventually turned himself in and confessed to the murders. Though he never told anyone his motive, the Napa Valley Register reports, 
Koppel is serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole. But never give a reason why. That's crazy. And that one friend that just booked it and ran out and saved their own skin, that's pretty messed up. Absolutely. Uh, you wouldn't well, do that to me, would you? Um, If he was dressed as a bat, maybe. <laughs> That'd be, yeah, well, it's yeah. okay. If there was a clown anywhere near the equation, you'd be uh, on your own, too. Yeah, absolutely. So... Those were the terrifying crimes of Halloween, murder, mayhem, and destruction. Very nice. Quite entertaining on those ones. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) For real. Very sad on some of the other ones, of course. All of them, really, when it comes to do murder is is sad, but... Yes, absolutely terrifying uh, night. And it also doesn't help that you hear all these murders that happen on Halloween, uh, also, one of the scariest things. Now, we weren't going to get into the cult Kobe rituals. got rid of the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. We weren't going to get into the cult rituals and everything and the the the, um, the occult and everything. It's that's I don't believe in those. And I think that Hollywood and, and books in the 1980s <laughs> blew that way out of proportion. Yeah. So, we might do something like that maybe next the Halloween or something. Panic. Yeah, we might do an episode on Satanic Panic next Halloween, next spooky month. If you're looking for Origins of Halloween, that is a Patreon exclusive for you guys. Yes. Um, and happy Halloween. Be safe out there if you're trick-or-treating. Uh, you go ahead and... hear about any more murders on Halloween. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, but go ahead and pick up that exclusive merch, that Halloween merch. Follow the link below in uh, the description and... Go ahead and pick that up. And if you subscribe to Patreon, not only will you get that Origins of Halloween episode, you'll also get an Adam Walsh episode. Bonus. Yeah. And $10 off any store item. So that's a huge win. Yeah, absolutely. What? You can't use that. (laughs) Family can? (laughs) What? Sure. No. (laughs) Uh, This is just an exclusive for the Patreon subscribers. So thank you guys. Happy Halloween. Be safe out there. And we'll see you next week for another great episode of The Dartarian Show. Thank you.